We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. And welcome back to the Lindley Evans studio here at the ABC in Ultimo for another edition of Thank God It's Friday! We are back. I'm Richard Glover and please welcome our panellists, Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean and Anthony Ackroy. Hello to you. With the music, it's the American opera star, Leah Crocetto, who will be singing from Aida. And best of all, after three years, three months without our live studio audience, they are back this week from Yamba, Mount Lewis, Wellington, Kuna Barabran, Ultimo, and Sutherland! (laughs) But first, as always, here is the news from nowhere. The other day in the office, my workmate Emma said something to our 20-something colleague, Declan. Declan was struggling with the recalcitrant piece of technology, and so Emma said, oh, whack it like Fonzie. It was a reference to Arthur Fonzarelli. And his ability, do you remember how he used to be able to hit, whack anything? And uh, he would be able to jump, jump start the technology on happy days. Now, Declan, did I mention he's 20-something, looked at Emma as if she was speaking a strange foreign language. He certainly didn't know who or what a Fonzie might be. He's not liable to whack anything. And he was confused by the idea that he was being invited to physically attack a delicate piece of audio technology one owned by his employer. Now, Emma, sensing his incomprehension, then changed her advice. Ah, how about you switch it off and then on again? This Declan tried to some considerable success. Yet the conversation left me feeling gloomy. If whack it like Fonzie is now considered incomprehensible, how many more outmoded expressions are sitting there in my kit bag? Starting, I guess, with kit bag. When I was at school, the kit bag was used in cadets. It was a bag in which to keep one's kit. Not me, of course. I wasn't part of the cadets. I was a theatre chap. But kit bag is still my go-to expression. I also say not happy Jan, even though no one knows who Jan was. And if you tell people, oh, she featured in a Yellow Pages advertisement a quarter of a century ago, they'll say, really? And what was the Yellow Pages? And ten minutes on, you'll be trying to explain alphabetical reference books, landline phones and TV ads that were seen by everyone. Such linguistic pitfalls litter the path ahead. The next day, rushing towards the lift, I saw a young colleague with whom I needed a word. The lift doors were closing on him, so I just had time to say, Can I see you, Ron? Now, maybe you know this, but Ron means later on to Australians of a certain vintage. We talk of saving a slice of cake for Ron and love the idea that this suggests that some other bloke will eat the cake when really, yum, 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 it's just us. (laughs) The phrase, it seems, is no longer in wide circulation. Certainly as the lift doors closed, the young man gave me a look. The look contained that most challenging of emotions, pity. If I can summarise the look on his face, it expressed the view... Oh, poor Richard. He's so old, he's forgotten my name is Trent. 
And now he thinks I'm called Ron, which frankly is not a name for anyone my age and hasn't been for many decades. Oh, I wonder if there's a charity for old journalists to which I could make a small donation. As the lift took off, I felt like running up the five flights of stairs to confront him on his exit. <laughs> that would be me trying to get my breath back. <laughs> that Ron thing, it's just an expression, you know. It's Aussie slang for... <laughs> At that point, I'd collapse from the strain of the stairs plus the embarrassment of my predicament and he'd be forced to carry my limp body to the ambulance while thinking... How weird that I'm saving his life, and yet he still thinks I'm called Ron. (laughs) Of course, his generation is not the first to grapple with the expressions of the past. My mother spoke in a Lancashire patois that prevented me from ever understanding a single word she ever spoke. She described people as being as mad as a two-bob watch, which I later worked out meant watches that were so cheap their mechanisms worked in a haphazard manner. But she also criticised me for sitting there like cheese at fourpence, a reference to inactivity since cheese at fourpence was in her mind, this was 1930, right? This was maybe even 1969. Cheese at fourpence was so expensive, it would just sit there in the store window, unpurchased for months on end. My mother's phrases have not stood the test of time. These days, no one wants to buy a watch. Certainly not a cheap one, even though they now cost less than those fancy French cheeses with the built-in botulism. (laughs) These days, my mum should be saying, sitting there like a $10 watch and as mad as unpasteurised cheese. We should update them. And yet, despite my mother's cautionary example, I continue to pepper my speech with expressions no one understands. That's a Clayton's policy. I might say about one political party's tax policy, only to be faintly offended that no one anymore knows what I mean. Or, it's a joke, Joyce. Or, don't mention the war. Or, it's only a fresh wound. References, Graham Kennedy, Faulty Towers, Monty Python. The only good news, mainstream media has become so chopped and diced by the streaming services, there's now no such thing as a shared reference. Drop a line from a TV show from two months ago and you'll still get that confused look. Maybe I should write a list of all those references, new and old, and pin it on the office notice board. I just wish I could summon up the effort. It may be easier to leave it to Ron. (laughs) And that's the news from nowhere. Okay, you folks, we're back. Before we go on, I'm intrigued. Um, um, uh, I'm intrigued by you mentioning an office notice board. Mm -hmm. There is one. Mm. Is it? Mm. Wow, it's a relic. It's got nothing on it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a real one on the wall that you can write yeah. on. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Not digital. A, yeah. No, wow, yeah. that's impressive. It's, uh, it's labelled uh, praise for our station, but there's nothing on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I'm actually, my, my son is 25 years old and, and I, he says bloody Nora because I've said it for years, a oh, bloody Nora. And he says it as well and I think it dates back to about, I don't know, 1700 or yeah, something. Yeah, it's the cobber of our time, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Is that, you know, <laughs> anyway, well, where it, does that originate? Bloody uh, it is Bloody Nora, she was, um, someone, an historian here can tell me, but wasn't yeah, she it was a Nora, murderess? It was she Nora was a, Hardwhistle, who was a well-known suffragette of the 1890s, who was also kill, implicated in the gold rush. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't she kill people with an axe or something? Oh, that Nora. Yeah, yeah. Bloody yeah. Nora. Bloody Nora. You ever find it fun, just make up your own. Like, I'm occasionally, you know, like kids will just say, oh, girls, you do laundry like a dog at a circus. (laughs) 
And they look at you like, what's that mean? And, I know, and that's the fun. I don't know either. <laughs> Just make up your own yeah, phrase. Because many, the, many yeah. of the current ones, don't, many of the real ones don't work. Like, dog, I always think... It, you, it looks like a dog's breakfast. Have you ever seen a dog's breakfast? It, it suggests a dog. It, it looks like a dog's breakfast. It suggests that the food is all, you know, thrown out of the bowl and ha- no, no. no. The, the dog's breakfast is inhaled in one inhalation, <laughs> and the bowl is perfectly clean and tidy. Well, and now dogs are so looked after. It's like a bento box. <laughs> That's right. Let's uh, check you up with this week's news. What's the news that will leave Australian dentists? reaching out to the bankruptcy court. Oh, Anthony, one? you go first on this one. Dentists. Well, that, this has got to be about... Um, and have, have people heard about this? The sad demise of the fantail? Oh. It was on oh. Media Watch, even. Really? It? About all these people talking about well, the demise of the fantails, and we're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have uh, some traumatic memories associated with the fantail. I'm willing to share them with you um, <laughs> right now. Now, imagine the 60s. Um, Okay, got that part. Good. (laughs) Back when Nora was still a suffragette. (laughs) um, I was nine years old. Um, Yeah, 60s. And um, I went to a movie with my sister who was four years older. Now, does anyone remember this movie? It was called The Bible. By Dino De Laurentiis. Yes, yes, oh, yes. yes. And it ran for as long as it would take you <laughs> to actually read the Bible. And it started right at the beginning with Genesis and it had these swirly kind of miasma. And it actually made my sister feel a bit nauseous. So she left and she said, I'll be back in a minute because she was meant to look after me. And she left me with the fantails. So I thought... What, a whole packet? Yes. And being a... Greedy little person. <laughs> I thought, well, how many can I eat before Vicky returns? <laughs> so I stuffed my mouth with, you know, Humphrey Bogart and Fred Astaire and Ava Gardner and Marilyn Monroe had a mouthful of them all. And little did I know that they would congeal into a brown miasma similar to what God created on the second day. <laughs> And I try, really, I cannot chew. And then <laughs> it was right at the beginning of the Bible. They, they were very thorough, De Laurentiis. And it was Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were semi-naked. Can you imagine the excitement of being a nine-year-old? And suddenly there's a legitimately mother-approved... <laughs> <laughs> Half-naked Eve in the garden, so I, I went, <gasps> and the whole of that miasma <laughs> went into my throat, and I go, <sighs> and I really I cannot breathe. <laughs> and God's up on the screen, and I'm seeing the light, <laughs> and I'm moving to it. I think this is my punishment for my lustful thoughts. <laughs> and then I coughed, and the brown ball went into the hair. <laughs> <laughs> Of the woman in front of me, which I then peeled away without her realising it, checked it for hairs, I had class, and then put it back in my mouth. (laughs) I'm going to miss the fantail, that's all I can say. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Tommy, did you have anything as as, as fabulous as the fantail? We had the fantails. I'm assuming uh, they had to go out of business because the machines these days are precise enough that they can actually keep the entire biography on the wrapper. <laughs> so the mystery of the half-chopped-off biography, right. yeah. uh, the Fantails have lost their mystique. 
Well, there used, it used to be a question and answer, didn't it? Who, who is this, basically? You have to try yeah. to guess. But yeah. then you'd go through. for three lines and then be cut off. Cut off. No <laughs> idea. Mm. No idea. Well, look, I, look, I think this is, uh, you know, it was inevitable, I think. I don't think it's any surprise that people aren't buying them. And it's everything to do with modern movie culture, isn't it? I mean, you look at young people who go to the movies these days. I mean, are they, they're waiting, sitting there waiting for the movie to start while the ads are on. You think they want to unravel? <laughs> a lolly and read the rapper to their friend? Mm. No. That's not going to happen. They're on their phone looking at videos of Peanut the Squirrel on TikTok and typing hashtag adorbs <laughs> and sucking down Maltesers are just tipping popcorn straight into the gob. Am I right? And the only people, you know, who do like fantails of, of the, are of the age, like, you know, before the mobile phone was invented... They can't read the tiny print. <laughs> and the, I've noticed it has got tinier when yeah, you... Yeah, and, and yes. And the other thing is they don't recognise the names of anyone on the rappers. Beryl, who or what is a Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> I don't know, love. Is it a salad sandwich or is it something you wear at a wedding? I'm not sure, you know. So, look, the Van Tiles are lost, I think. But I think it's the... not just the rapper. I think it's what you're speaking of, too. I think it's just a loss of time. Yeah, Everything is so right. instant satisfaction. That's right. And the reality is the fantail is too long. <laughs> yes, it is. It's just too long. Everyone that ever had one knows it is a careful dance. Between your teeth and the caramel. <laughs> and, and you can actually make it into sharp things that will pierce your hard palate. You have to just, you have to massage it. In, I mean, it's a great, it's a great, I think, enunciator. I think if you really are a true professional of eating fantails, you will train yourself such that you can speak a variety of languages, <laughs> given how difficult you have to maneuver your tongue to keep that thing in the right place at the right time. Because you, you also got to ignore the fillings, too. You have to maneuver oh, it away from No oh, way. Yeah. And that's what I think is the killer. There's too mm. many braces. Kids today have too many retainers. It's not just about a brace. It's taking out the entire metal framework of their face such that their skull collapses, which is not a good look for candy. What are the dentists going to do, though? Poor Australian dentists. It's always the minty. You know, oh, that's yeah, yeah, there is the minty. They will be fine. Now, yeah. which, What's uh, happened to Jaffers? Is anyone, is Jaffers still with us oh, or have yeah. they gone as well? No, they're here. They're yeah. here? Well, you've got to have something to roll down the aisle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to have something. No, that's good. compulsory. Yeah. Uh, but they got carpet these days. Oh, in the old days, you didn't have carpet. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, Not during the Bible, that was... <laughs> <laughs> only on Eve, eh? Uh, which emerald got what back... What did at... you just say? Hey, nothing. Hey, nothing. I didn't say anything. Did you just make I didn't say anything. some kind of, you know, map of Tassie reference? I didn't say Anything. About miss, carpet? When do you miss her again? Um, which uh, emerald got back its luster? Uh, is this uh, about um, oh, bloody Melbourne? Ah, uh, the livability yeah, thing. Yeah. They beat us in the livability thing again. Melbourne beat. So we both did pretty well internationally. Oh, but Richard, Richard, Richard. <laughs> This Melbourne stuff is getting out of hand. Do you reckon anyone will be tuning in from Melbourne tonight? I no? don't think so. Good, let's talk about them. <laughs> let's get real, people. <clears throat> Melbourne is one of the B-grade capitals of the world. A sad, anonymous collection of drab suburbs huddled around an upside-down river in desperate search of a defining architectural moment. <laughs> That's why since the 1970s they've had regular landmark competitions. And I kid you not, they had one just last year. Another landmark competition. Well, try to find one of them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they came up with a garden on top of a 
I don't know what they came up with. The city has four seasons, drizzle, overcast, blow a dog off a chain and in February fry an egg on the footpath. Tourists unfortunate enough to find themselves trapped there during Easter have been known to contact Amnesty International. <laughs> Melbourne's sister cities are Blackpool, Reykjavik and Launceston. <laughs> Melbourne's have, uh, Melbournians have pompously styled themselves as an enclave of European intellectualism in an Antipodean cultural wasteland, while the rest of the country sees them as a whining bunch of snobs and losers. <laughs> Melbourne women all wear black in a vain attempt to make their bums look smaller. And Melbourne men are weedy, sunken, chested specimens from a gene pool sadly depleted when half the population moved to Queensland in the 70s. <laughs> Melbourne football fans are mean-spirited, myopic fanatics who feel good about themselves when they beat Adelaide. Matches at the MCG are always well attended because it's the only place you can go to keep warm in the winter, which lasts six months of the year. Finally, I will admit that Melbourne is renowned for its nightlife, but that's only because the view is better then. <laughs> Thank you very much. Now, can't we be a bit more positive about no, this? We, how do you really feel about <laughs> Melbourne? <laughs> we were. We, I've got to tell you that this is a funny thing. This is years ago. I guess you know I am from Melbourne, and um, <laughs> I, I took my. Uh, I, I remember saying to my husband Brendan, you know, maybe we could move back to Melbourne one day, and we took. I took him up to the top of Mount Dandenong. He's Sydney born and bred, my husband. Um, took him up to Mount Dandenong and there was this glittering carpet laid out before us. I said, oh, Brendan, isn't it beautiful? And he said, what an absolute dump. And he went and sat in the car. You know, that was it. Drive me home. Yeah. It's his assessment. Listen, I'm a little upset that uh, my hometown... Yes. Of Hobart was not included. <laughs> I knew this we'd have Hobart in the, the top two hundred and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, admittedly, I left in nineteen eighty two, and things were different then. The highlight of anyone's week in Hobart was having a banana fritter with vanilla ice cream from the one Chinese restaurant, <laughs> which was run by white people. <laughs> But now people, 2,000 people two days ago swam naked in the Derwent River. I saw that. How livable is that? <laughs> Who's in? <laughs> uh, I mean, sure, Tasmania has the lowest uh, rental availability uh, of any capital city, but they are building an $800 million football stadium there and the poor people can just pitch a tent. But, uh, yes. Just piss off for the game if you wouldn't mind. But mind but, you, uh, if everyone is in the nude, they can all live together and, you know, it's all very congenial by the sound. I don't think everyone's in the nude, oh, Wendy. I think it's just <laughs> 2,000 people might, oh, once okay. a year. Uh, it finally might lift the population decline. <laughs> I've been to Tassie for a while, but I don't think it's a giant nudist colony. <laughs> well, I think it's nice to see Sydney back on the map. That's what I'm saying. And I don't, I don't, I'm not quibbling over 0.3. I think 0.3 in most statistical queries gets written off. That's right. So at best, we're tied. Because they got, they got, we got... They are 97.7 and we are 97.4. And I reckon that 0.3 will be obliterated as soon as Taylor Swift shows up. <laughs> <laughs> That's why this town, I think that's why we made the list right now, so Taylor knew it's a good place to go. Are you, no, just let, let, let me ask you, are you another one who is awake late at night um, um, wondering how you can get Taylor Swift tickets? 
Oh, no, no. I don't know if you know this, but uh, she's American and I'm American, so I've already got two tickets. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, that's how right. it works. Oh, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Uh, I just get to go. <laughs> Didn't realize it was based on yeah. nationality. It's so it's yeah. so it's going to be the greatest gathering of Americans ever seen <laughs> in Sydney. That's why it's going to be so good. Uh, I love it. I think with the new roads coming, I think the weather's turned. I think there is this is I've never been in a happier time to live in Sydney. Uh, even right now, and this is only, I think it's last year it premiered, but we just started watching it recently. There's an excellent comedy uh, on one of the streaming networkies uh, called Colin from Accounts. Mm. Oh, yeah, that yeah. Was, that's great. Uh, which is one of the first few Sydney comedies I've seen. Takes place in the inner west, guy runs a microbrewery, uh, veterinarian expenses are out of control. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's spot on. So it's nice to see Sydney providing the comedy on the TV instead of always uh, the quirks of Tasmania or the sad drudgery of Can I guess give you a little fun fact? Yeah. Um, my son, who's in the front row, did the sound design on oh, Colin from Accounts. Really? Did he? Oh, that's so, well, um, well done, Michael. Yeah, give him a round of Well done, Michael. <laughs> um, we have Wendy Harmer. I, think, I just want to tell you this one thing, Richard. For, for those, I think this is, I think this can be attributed to David Marr, actually. And this is a great uh, quote that I love. Um, and especially uh, people in the performing arts will appreciate this. You, Anthony. You. That's all of us. Well, well, Tommy. Yes. Uh, he said the difference, be- <laughs> the difference between Melbourne and Sydney is that in Sydney, none of your friends will come and see you perform, but they'll all tell you you are absolutely brilliant, <laughs> darling. And in Melbourne, all of your friends will come and see you and tell you you were shit ass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. We have Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean and Anthony Aquil. That last yeah. news story, that, uh, this is the first ballet strike we've seen for a while, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, is that, is that, I don't know if that's enough. I think, I think they I should have, like, oh, just starting 15 minutes late. Well, I mean, people are going to be reading their fantail rappers. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do they care? I think what they should have said is, you know what we're going to do? We're going to dance on the flats of our feet. <laughs> flats no, of no feet. Point. And just, no points. They're just going to wear pants. No people tattoos. say, what's the point? Where's <laughs> the point? <laughs> Grand jetés will be two centimetres lower <laughs> yes. than normal. Plus, the cod pieces worn by the male dancers will be halved during the Nutcracker. That's right. <laughs> and I think that they should march up and down with banners, you know, like a protest march, you know, with, with banners that read things like, pay us a living wage, is it too, too hard? <laughs> or... Um, <laughs> Well, they have set a low bar. Stop cracking our, <laughs> stop cracking our nuts. Things like that. <laughs> hey, Australian ballet, go and jeté in the Swan Lake. I, mean, I think yeah. they should get militant. Swan Lake or Duck Pond. What's yes. it to be? Yes, that's it. I think they, I think they should go on a bit harder on that one. Now what the, do we want? Ballet. Oh, the, the whales, of course, are migrating up the coast at the moment, mostly mm. mums and calves heading to the sunnier climes. Yep. We've all been on a family holiday, usually up or down the coast. What are the memories of those family trips and how do they differ from the way the whales do it. Wendy Hummer. Well, you know, I don't know that I'm the right person to go to first on this, Richard, because I came from, um, um, I'm from the inland. I'm one of the inland tribe. And so for us to go to the beach, well, that just never happened when I was a kid. The worst, yeah, I lived in central Victoria. And the worst thing that could happen in my holidays was dad would come home and say, Oh, kids, we haven't got a lot of money for a holiday this year, so we're going to go on lots of drives. <laughs> and 
And uh, now the outstanding feature of my father's drives was there was they rarely had a destination. He'd just tear along the road till the petrol gauge was about half full and then he'd turn around and drive home. <laughs> and we'd be, the four of us, in those days the state of Victoria was not big enough for us kids, let alone the backseat of a Holden FC and a game of Spoto only lasts so long, ladies and gentlemen, let's face it. You know, you start off, you remember Spoto? You oh, did yeah, play BP yeah, yeah. Spoto? It start off nicely enough, wouldn't it, Anthony? Oh, there's a green car. Spoto, tick that off. Oh, there's a motorbike. Tick that off. Next minute, oh, there's a big, fat, ugly pig sitting next to me. Tick that off. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the way a, a, a Holden FC wagon ends up a gum tree. The other thing is that... My my fa- this was the most annoying part of my father's Sunday drives. My dad was, as you know, a school teacher, the headmaster, so he would take the opportunity to make our drives educational. Oh. So he was always, always uh, pointing out, you know, uh, native grasses or ferns or, you know, varieties of eucalypt for us that, you know... Uh, like, it was so boring. And he was always pointing out things that we couldn't see. Like, he'd be driving along, oh, g'day, look, kids, look, look, look. There's a koala up in that tree. We go, where, Dad, where, Dad? Where's the koala? Up there, you know, the one with the baby on its back. Where, Dad, where, Dad? Where is the koala with the baby on its back? Up there near that hawk's nest. Where, Dad, what hawk? What? We couldn't see anything, the four of us in the back seat. And then he'd go, what's, you, are you kids bloody blind? And then he'd be swiping over the back going, get your feet off the back of my seat. And when he was really pissed off, he'd just stop the car and go, right, you can all get out and walk. <laughs> and then he'd park the car up around the The worst thing was after one of these drives, and we're usually on a Sunday night, we'd get home and, and he'd get out of the car and go, oh, there you go, kids. Just goes to show. Everything you need is right here in Victoria. <laughs> Meanwhile, if we'd lived in Britain, we could have driven to Scotland <laughs> and we could have seen something more interesting than just like sheep and well, no koalas, quite frankly. <laughs> Look, it sounds it's like a very terrible. identical experience to the <laughs> whales and their calves. What, what? I thought it was going to turn for the worst, though. You know, Do you see the koala? Do you see the baby koala? Do you see the hawk attacking the baby koala? <laughs> that hawk is feeding his entire family. <laughs> Who wants to get some burgers, kids? <laughs> Oh, no, it was oh, so What were yours nice like, uh, Tommy? Were they similar well, to the Well, they were similar in the sense that uh, my father took a very philosophical... That's where I learned the philosophy. Uh, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Oh, God. Uh, so he very much struck to your yeah, dad's point of view. Here, it's not about where we're going, kids. It's yeah. just the fact that we're going. Yeah, that's it. Isn't that fun? And we'd drive for a while, and then you know, suddenly he'd act like it was a surprise. Look, there's an ice cream shop. And to be fair, at the age that we were, that was an excellent destination <laughs> to end up at. So we never went on like beach holidays. We never went. To, we never stayed in a hotel. Uh, we would drive until the evening, and then have a soft serve, and then that would get us home. Yeah, <laughs> that's how we did it. My father was always very disappointed. I mean, you know, my mother would pack the sandwiches, and because we were, you know, we're on a schedule, right? We were, you know, he's got to turn around. He's watching the petrol gauge. Right, halfway. Eat the sandwiches, the, you know, the tomato sandwiches and the Kiora orange cordial, and then we'd drive back. He was always disappointed because there was like a no, there was no fire or an animal to be shot or a fish to be <laughs> caught. So you know, what yeah. was the point of the whole expedition in his in his view? Anthony Ackroyd, can we leave this world of well, frankly, Angela's ashes and, <laughs> and move to a better place? I don't think things are going to improve that much with my story. <laughs> Now, the difference between the waves, the the humpback uh, wa- uh, whales um, going through the waves and travelling up the coast is that I was in Tasmania mm. and we had one and one only 
coast drive holiday. Hmm. And the difference between us and the whales is that the whales were not in a caravan being towed by my father, which would have been a very bad thing because it was for us. Uh, now, Dad, uh, just to give you a kind of thumbnail, not known for his Buddha-like uh, equanimity, <laughs> did not soothe his vagus nerve and calm his autonomic nervous system, had a bit of a temper, completely stressed out, and um, he decided, let's have a caravan trip up the coast of Tassie. What a really bad idea that turned out to be um, because as soon as he started driving, he was a bus driver by profession and uh, none of your fancy, you know, school principals, uh, you know, a, a true working man. Uh, and like that. Jumped up. <laughs> Jumped Palmer up, pretentious family. academics, you know, man of the people, uh, driving for the Metropolitan Transport Trust in Obert. And um, so he thought, let's go on a driving holiday. That will be good for him. So um, Tasmania, correct me if I'm wrong here. And I, you know, I know a bit about Tassie. Mum's a Tassie. It's a bit oh, of a sure. time there. Yeah, yeah. It's not that far <laughs> to go from one end to the other, it is it? It can be. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain, Wendy. Yes, <laughs> so this was the journey of the, uh, the three S's. This will make sense in a minute. Yeah. But as soon as Dad started driving, this would happen just, you know, driving ten minutes. But after an hour, everyone on the road turned into an idiot. Uh, Who's this idiot? What's this idiot doing? Oh, look at this idiot in front of me. What's this idiot in front of me doing? I think he's driving normally at the speed limit, Dad. I think that's what he's up to. So the first stop was Sorel. People people at home can get out a map and trace this. Sorel was the barbecue fiasco where Dad decided, let's have a barbecue, which he'd never done before in his life, and we had chops and sausages. Then he decided, I'll just squirt this accelerant onto the barbecue, and that didn't turn out well. Have you seen the Towering Inferno? Forget the Bible. This is <laughs> So there was cremated flesh. Then the next S was uh, Swansea. We're, mm. we're further up. We're going up the east coast of Tasmania. Swansea was the flat tyre incident where uh, the car got a flat tyre, Dad took out the spare. Guess what? The spare was flat and we didn't have a car pump. Everyone was really an idiot (laughs) after that. And then to finish it off, St Helens, which is right up the top of Tasmania, which was the day of the famous 1,000-point turn. (laughs) When Dad went down a dead-end street with a caravan, (laughs) we came to the dead end. And he started turning that wheel. And after maybe 25 minutes, I began thinking maybe the fantail option <laughs> would have been good back in the cinema. So, um, yeah, that, that was my experience. Yeah. Well, uh, but still, I mean, I just want to make this point, but still, as the crow flies... It's not that far. <laughs> it's not that far to St Helens, no. <laughs> is if, it is if you take a thousand points yeah, to turn, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you ready for the Wheel of Death, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. Oh the Wheel of Death. Yeah. Our lovely studio audience has contributed questions to the, uh, to the wonderful chocolate wheel for Tommy Dean to take on. The, today's questions are ballet, sparkle, train, stairs, AI, uh, swath. I don't know what swath is. Um, the Matildas, hay, sheep. Camouflage, flipper, dysophobia, yep. uh, fusion, and football. Uh, which one's Philly full of fear? 
None of them. I am confident today. <laughs> Even the ones that no normal person's heard Nobody of. Nobody knows. <laughs> round and round and round it goes. Where it stops, no one knows. Today's topic for the Wheel of Death, as contributed by our live audience. So we're so loving having here at the ABC Ooh, in man, Ultimo. You today's really rocked it today. Today's That's topic a record for is, revolutions per minute. I think I've, it's fusion. Oh, yeah. Fusion is my fusion. favorite. Who suggested fusion? Everyone. Yeah, thanks for nothing. <laughs> He's the only kid that ticked on the survey 10 to 17. <laughs> I'm assuming to him, fusion is an energy drink he uses to get through the day. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, 15. 15. Right in the middle. I told you that. I just told you that. <laughs> According to this ABC survey we're taking with the live audience today, we don't ask specific age. We like them in ranges. <laughs> yeah. He is the only person that ticks that button, by the way. <laughs> Anybody here from 18 to 24? Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Unlucky for you, Fusion Boy. <laughs> You're on your own. Uh, what I like, uh, Fusion, of course, Fusion is what you get when you have two things in the world that you're bored with, but you like them a little bit, and you think maybe if they met, both would be better. Now, you might have seen it because you took a science class and you were thinking in some sort of subparticle thingamabobber <laughs> <laughs> that you select stream kids get up to. I see your NASA shirt. I know what you're playing at. I want to live on Mars. But I'm talking about Asian food and American food. <laughs> Brought together. I'm talking about a hamburger with fried rice on it. That's the fusion I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you get, say, a Vietnamese banh mi and you whack some bolognese in there. Italianese. Fusion. When you take an American opera singer and then you stuff Italy inside her. Fusion. That's what I'm talking about. See the fun? <laughs> by the way, I think she was angry with somebody named Frank. That's what I got out of the opera song, by the way. Hey, you you uh, speak Italian. Yeah, she was something, something, something. Frank. <laughs> that was the only part of the whole song that made sense to me. She's angry with somebody named Frank. He caused some trouble. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. When you bring things together, it makes things better. Am I right? Like, and, and, to bring this right back to you, young man. Uh, your mother... <laughs> Quite a fine person, doing excellent things. And then your father, a man who knew himself, and then they came together, fusion. And you are the particle release upon the world. And thus endeth the lesson. Thank God it's Friday with Richard Glover. There's nothing better than embarrassing a teenager, is there? It's very, very, always good. Uh, We have Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean, and Anthony Aykroyd. Uh, Does he live or does he die? Oh, he lives! He lives. Life and part death fused together into a thing I call left. (laughs) Now, some suburbs of Sydney have been given grants this week so they can market themselves to the world, including Harris Park will be able to call itself Little India, Koreatown in Eastwood, 
the Hollywood Quarter in Surrey Hills. Thinking of some place you know well, what's the new name and the sales pitch that will intrigue the world? Wendy Hummer. Well, you know, I've uh, lived in the Northern Beaches now, Northern Beaches Sydney for 30 years, and I think that we could be styled as the suburbs culture forgot. <laughs> now, uh, come to the Northern Beaches, we've got 20 beautiful stretches of sand, but not guaranteed to have a fancy theatre or a big deal art gallery to spoil your holiday. We've got plenty of pubs and bars, but no thinking to spoil your drinking. <laughs> Lots of surf, but no Margaret Ollie um, in your beach volley. More centrefold than Archibald, more arse than arts. That's what the Northern <laughs> Beaches is about. My slogan, come to the Northern Beaches. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> At the Ackroy, now, where... Oh, no, oh, I just want to say this, sorry. by the way. The yeah. Glen Street Theatre people are probably listening and going, well, that's really unfair. The beautiful theatre at Glen Street, but they're in the Bel- in Belrose, which is the western suburbs of the northern beaches. <laughs> just wanted to say that okay, before so they we'll, get we'll cross. Complete, that's the Glen Street I'm Theatre aside. Anthony Ackroyd. Uh, yes, well, I uh, have a new... I don't live in Hobart anymore, even Sydney. I now live in the southern highlands of New South Wales in Mittagong. Ladies and gentlemen, a, a true working-class suburb, none of your northern <laughs> beaches, you know, fancy stuff where they've got, you know, school principals. Uh, <laughs> everyone's a bus driver in Mittagong. Now, I would call Mittagong the canine capital of New South Wales because everyone in Mittagong has at least one dog. You know, everyone needs a hobby. And um, you walk around and it's actually good because people meet each other, so it creates friendliness. No one knows anyone else's names. They are just identified through their dog. So I'll say to my wife, I saw a red setter woman today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I saw a bulldog man. Oh, really? (laughs) I think I'm known as small, annoying terrier guy. Um, And everyone carries... What sort of dog have you got? (laughs) Well... (laughs) It's actually three-quarters Chinese crested powder puff. Has anyone heard of that breed? <laughs> That's a real breed, a one-quarter terrier, which makes it look normal. Um, Nobody loves fusion more than dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that is big-time fusion. And what's the slogan? The slogan is, I wish I'd written a slogan about this. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Dean, what's, uh, where, where, what place are you going to use a grant to advertise? Uh, I've uh, spent the last 20 years in the uh, Canterbury Council area of Earlwood and nobody wants or needs more speed bumps than we have in that area. So I want to call it Shocktown. <laughs> Come to get your shocks checked. If you want to know if your car's shock absorbers are working, drive through Earlwood <laughs> at 30 kilometers an hour if you're crazy. Winners and, lo- winners and losers, just quickly, Anthony Ackroyd. Uh, the losers are the English men's cricket team for their pathetic sledging, absolutely pathetic, just calling people with names. You've got to have a bit of style, like, mate, maybe I should bowl a piano, see if you can play that. You know, you need a bit of style, come on. Lift your game, England. And the winners are all the citizens of the Southern Highlands because we have now passed the middle day of winter, which means there's only five and a half months of freezing weather left. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy Hammer, winners and losers. Well, I'm not going to pronounce any losers because we're back in the studio and we're all winners! (laughs) And Tommy, winners and losers. Uh, The winners are New South Wales, but not in the way you expect. It's because Queensland won the state of origin, which means that they will stay in Queensland for another year. (laughs) (laughs) New South Wales, well done with your sacrifice. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the loser is that terrible, terrible koala from years ago that that hawk killed. <laughs> <laughs> Please thank Wendy Harmer, Tommy Dean, and Anthony Aykroyd. <laughs> Check out Anthony Aykroyd's website, thelaughteradvantage.com, for his new Stress Less, Laugh More website uh, lessons. Uh, and also... Please join us again next week for being part of uh, TJF. Will Anderson, Tommy Dean and Rebecca De Unamuno. Uh, music from the stars of the Tina Turner musical. Until then, I'm Richard Glover and thank God it's Friday! Yay! Come on, I eat a sound like an American. Opera.